another episode of American Reef. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about some unique options of feeding your tank when you're not necessarily around to feed it yourself. feeding options. Remember if you are new to reef keeping head on over to AmericanReef.com check out the Reef Tutor video series. Again well over 200 videos that teach how to keep and maintain a coral reef aquarium as well if you're looking for what I consider one of the best fish foods on the planet you can go to AmericanReef.com again bottom center of the page you'll see click here to purchase American Reef's HPD. So why are we even talking about unique feeding options? Well as some of you know right Myself, as well as other family members, have been hospitalized for extended periods of, of time, excuse me, over the past year, two years kind of thing. And it's, gonna, and it's not going to end anytime soon, right? And so for me, what that means is that like when that happens, normally you have to kind of rush around to try to find a tank sitter. And no matter who you find, they kind of don't sit the tank the way you would, right? Because they're not you. Um, and number two, it's really not fair, actually, to kind of expect that of them because, again, they've got their own lives, right? So for me, it was one of those things where knowing that I'm going to be away for extended periods of time, right, there are kind of many things that I wanted to try to, uh, we'll call it, automate, but yet at the same time do it in a way that um, kind of was unique to my special flair, meaning I've got weird criteria for everything that I do. And uh, this is one of those things where there's no exception to it, right? Um, so anyway, I'm going to come out with multiple videos that kind of talk about how I'm solving some of those problems. So it'll help, you know, those of you who are in similar kind of situations. And in my particular case, the very first one here is feeding, right? And basically the idea is, you know, how do you basically, you know, be away for five to ten days and still come up with some good feeding options for your fish without relying on somebody else to kind of come and manually feed that tank for you. So before I solve the problem, right, I needed to kind of define what really that problem was or what's my goals. And the very first thing was length of time. Right? I wanted to be able to feed my fish tank for approximately one to two weeks because that tends to be kind of the periods of time that I'm away from that tank. Um, the second thing is like, what did I want to feed them, right? I wanted to make sure that I still fed them roughly the same kind of fresh food that I normally feed them, which is that HPD. Um, again, the, one of the reasons why I even went to that HPD route is because you have, if you ever go to a fish store and you see this food in containers, um, you always wonder like, how long has it been in that container? Um, you know, things over time will lose their nutritional value, but to me it's kind of one of those snowball effects, meaning that you know, if you're feeding your fish things that aren't, you know, we'll call it high in nutritional value, 
then basically they'll start to basically weaken their immune system and then from there they'll get sick. In my particular case, I've got tangs, right? And their slime coating isn't, you know, uber thick anyway to begin with. So to me, less healthy food means less slime coat, which means more ick, which means basically it wipes out my tang tang. And it's something that I was trying to avoid. So starting off there, that kind of, that was my goal, right? So nutritious food for one to two weeks. How was, how was I going to do that? Well, the general gist was, first of all, I knew that I wanted to make sure that nori was part of their normal diet, right? Because again, the flake foods that existed out there, to me, that all kind of fell into that, hey, I don't know how long it's been there kind of thing, I don't know how, how much nutritional content would that have. But I do know that nori, for example, is very nutritional for them. So I ended up experimenting and I came up with like two forms of nori. Basically, both are shredded, but one is kind of this long cut shred, and another one is this shortcut kind of shred. And the idea behind it for me, first of all, was I would take and blend that nori into my HPD and normally feed it. Then as I was kind of coming up with feeding solutions, I realized, hey, I'm gonna probably need some kind of automatic feeder to do that. Well. If I'm going to use an automatic feeder, that means I need to have something smaller because if you have sheets, you're still going to have to put your hands in the tank and feed it every day. And if you have something like this, they're too long, right? So they'll get caught into the feeder. But yet something like this works pretty well, right? So I experimented with a bit, making sure that the fish would still eat it and it was healthy. And that all, it didn't change anything there. And then what I did is I would put a little bit in the tank. Well. If you feed anything in your reef tank, right? most of us who have been in reef keeping for a while realize that you have to cut the pumps. If you don't cut the pumps, basically what will happen is the food will kind of stay on top and go right on into the overflows. And then when it goes into the overflows, it's just going to take and clog up kind of filter socks, etc. And it's not doing anybody any good. So for me, I looked at it and I have that Neptune Apex controller on the tank tank and I had the ability to kind of douse the power, feed it, and put it back on. But when I started experimenting with that, one of the things that I kind of realized is network connectivity wasn't always going to be there. It was kind of glitchy. So that means that sometimes I would turn a pump on and it would come on or it wouldn't come on, right? Because the connectivity wasn't there. Or I'd shut a pump off and it wouldn't go off the first time or the second time or the third time. And, and so I would play with that a little bit. And no matter what I did, I, I realized that, again, it's just not consistent. And then for me, as you've heard me say before, I'm not a big supporter of putting life support systems on these controllers. I, I believe the controllers are more from a monitoring spec perspective. They do a really good job. Um, but now this goes against the grain because feeding to me is kind of life support. Um, so as I was kind of like experimenting there, I realized that cutting the pumps wasn't going to be the options. But one of these kind of automatic feeders probably could do it for me because again we've got the Neptune Apex from here you plug it into their bus and then from there you've got your phone app that a you could schedule it so that way if you have lost network connectivity it would still feed the tank and then B if you had connectivity then you could manually feed it and again remember with that tank tank I've got video cameras on that thing as well so I can kind of see what's going on so to me I first thought hey this was kind of like the winning combination I take 
an automatic feeder, and I even tried this with the Eheims, for example, and that worked as well, but the problem with the Eheims is you don't have control over the Eheims, right? You really can't. You put it up on a schedule and just drops them off, where here, you know, on your phone, you can just kind of boom, press a button and basically, you know, have it fed. But the combination kind of worked, meaning, you know, with this shredded nori, this would basically feed it, and, and you know, it worked out really fine from a call it distribution perspective. Now, the very first thing you'll realize is when you feed uh, that freshwater tank, if you don't have some kind of feeding ring, like I said, it's going to go right over the top. But when you get that feeding ring and you kind of put it in there, you'll find out that as soon as the shredded nori kind of gets moist, it'll fall a little bit, but not quite enough down to the bottom. So again, it'll kind of float in the water column and then bam, it goes over the overflow. It's not doing anybody any good. So I kind of experimented and said, well, hey, what if I take and put this in the sump? You know, I'll take this feeder, put it over an edge, right, and then put it in the sump area right above where the pump kind of draws the water back to return. That way there, it'll just kind of feed the tank that way. And though that worked, what didn't work there was your plumbing in, you know, on your, coming from your sump, I should say, you probably bleed off a line for GFO, for calcium, for ROX, for those kind of reactors. And when you do that, basically food, will get caught in there and just again clog it up decompose and again not do anybody any good so that was a bad option as well experiment a little more and what happened was i realized we want to go deep right mike paletta for example had an option where you would basically take i'll call it a cone for the lack of a better word and it would go down into the tank where he would feed his kind of basically the pellet foods um and problem with it is there was no net at the bottom so fish would get stuck in the middle or they would go up and kind of jump out and at the end of the day basically that feeding kind of tube didn't didn't really work really well for him um, there's a lot of other options that are out there kind of homemade acrylic kind of options where basically they solve that depth part you know but they still don't have a net in there right and then fish kind of splash about and then hanging on the mounting I never found a solution that I was really happy with and I probably tried four or five solutions out there um, then at one point in time, I came across this little box here, right? Basically, it's a Tunzi mangrove box. Um, and you can kind of see, basically, we have a box connected via magnets with, at the bottom, this kind of grate system. And I looked at it, and it was a lot bigger than I expected. It was kind of like, again, five inches by four and a half or something like that. So it was a big box. But what I liked about it is with this magnet, I could move it anywhere that I kind of had the feeder. Now remember, in my tank, um, I don't have a whole lot of real estate to put the feeders. So what I ended up doing is I put the feeders on top of the lights. And positioning was such that I didn't have a m much on the overflows or anything like that where I just couldn't put the feeder anywhere. So it had to go on top of the lights. But you know, having this box, basically with a magnet form being the outside, it allowed me to move it where I wanted it to, and to easily put it in and put it out. Because again, I didn't want this to be a permanent solution, but I wanted it to be a solution so that way if I am gone, I can either walk somebody through it or I can have it set up and ready to go for me. And um, so with this box, as soon as I got one in, I looked at it and I thought, wow, this is kind of unique, meaning that it was deep. So the very first thing I did is I took, and when I was cutting my macroalgaes in my sump, I took a huge handful of what I call waste and I threw it in here. And I experimented enough, and what was really slick about it is I was able to put enough macroalgaes in there to basically feed that tank tank 
for somewhere around three to four days. And, and that right there was kind of a revelation to me. Meaning, remember, I want something that's nutritious for the tank. And so now I'm actually taking the waste that I'm using for filter and feeding it back and talk about that circle of life kind of thing, right? I mean, that was just awesome. So that was one of these things where I really liked the feeder for that particular purpose. Then what I did is I said, well, hey, I've got long cut, right? I've got this shredded long cut noise. Will that work in here too? And, and the thing about it is that's just because I couldn't imagine myself growing enough macroalgaes that I could constantly use it to feed this box. So then what I ended up doing is I would take like, you know, huge, we'll call it like pinches like that, right? And I would put it in there and I'd put, again, three, four, five, same kind of thing. With this long cut kind of shred into this box, it would be enough to feed the tank for three, four days. Um, and not all of it would come out through the bottoms, right? But most of it would. And I found out that if I took a pair of wire cutters, for example, and I'll call it, call it like cutting a relief hole, but I would take one of the slats out of each one of these. It was big enough so that fish could get up in there and pull it if they needed when it came down, and it worked out perfectly. So from a nori perspective, I thought, wow, okay, I can feed my fish nori for a three, four, five day period of time, and nobody has to feed the tank. So that's part of my solution. But then I looked at it and I kind of wanted to expand that diet because as we know from an HP perspective, my main staples, for example, are the HPD, the nori, and maybe some uh, reef chili is what I kind of blend in there. That's the normal diet. So the next goal for me was, okay, if I'm gonna use these automatic feeders, for example, um, can I get not only nori into an automatic feeder, but can I get the HPD in a, in a feeder? And so I called the manufacturer, and again, as, as you all know, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough that they allowed me to kind of offer that HPD up, so I asked them if they had a pellet form, right, that they can make for me that, you know, again, it would allow me the same nutritional value, but then more importantly, something that I knew was fresh, right? So as you've heard me say before, I don't know how long that food has been in these canisters per se so for me I know this is a couple of weeks old so I know that I'm getting fresh food and I kind of like that option so what I did is uh, talk them for a little bit and come up with this kind of pellet form and what I did first was experimented with played with it to make sure that the nutritional value of it for example was kind of the same as uh, again the, the HPD the other form and um, for the most part the, the only way that I could really tell this was by the fish themselves, right? Their bellies, their colors, where they're getting sick and that sort of thing. So I experimented for, you know, six months, eight months. And from that perspective, I was pretty happy. So I had a solution here now, right? I was like, okay, I'll take one box, one feeder, right? And that will be for, we'll call it the nori side of it. So that means I can take three to four days, slap it in there, and then I'll put a feeder over top of it so I can feed the, the, you know, the shortcut of it um, beyond that four or five day perspective. Then what I was gonna do is take and mix that in with the pellets. Because again, with the pellets end of it, if you use a deep box like this, what it'll allow you to do is that pellet will go in, right, and it'll sit on top. Right? And again, if you have a normal feeding ring, et cetera, like I said before, what happens, the food will kind of float down and zoom, it'll go straight over the overflow. Well, here, it's going to stay up on top, 
right, until it actually sinks. And then when it sinks down towards the bottom, then we know that it's heading basically down and we don't have to worry about that overflow thing. So basically it'll catch it in the water column. So my solution ended up being basically two boxes, two feeders, one with Nori, one with the HPD pellet, and I actually mixed the other things with the pellet as well, meaning um, there are like the, the various kind of garlic pellets that exist out there. There are, um, you know, the pellets that, for example, for certain color enhancements, because I, like to me, again, this is a short time solution where I'm feeding it and blending it is just one of those things where it can't hurt. Uh, my main goal is I just wanted to make sure it hit this box to go down. And, and the other really cool thing about this box, see this wide top? Beautiful, right? Meaning that when you have some of these other solutions, they don't have wide tops. And when when this barrel, for example, right, comes out, and when you look at it and it kind of spins, it's going to lay a path of food down. And that, that, that path of food could be one, two, three inches kind of thing. And again, having is something that's kind of wide enough, like this big opening at the top, really makes it that much easier. So that way there, lining up the feeder, for example, with this box was easy. And we knew the food, for example, would hit it as opposed to kind of half go in, half go out kind of thing. So for that, from that perspective, excuse me, that was kind of my solution that I kind of put in place. And again, uh, rather than talk about it, let's just kind of go down to that tank tank and kind of let me show you the setup that I've got. And right now I've got one feeding box with one of the feeders kind of on there and I can kind of show you at least how it works. And again, for me, uh, it's one of those things where it's perfect for you to kind of look at it and say, hey, did you ever think about this? And kind of adjust it accordingly, you know, to maybe fix some problems that I haven't thought about. So let's go down to tank tank. So before I demonstrate the various feeding methods, let's kind of do a recap of what I got here. Again, I've got the lights on top, not a whole lot of room per se, or shelf space I should say, except on top of the lights. So that's where I have the automatic feeder. The automatic feeder in turn drops the food into what I'll call is the feeding box, but we know it's the, the Tunzi, uh, I guess, mangrove box. Um, and you'll notice from there I have this pump here. Well, I had a spare MP40 floating around since I basically transitioned to the Tunzies. And, um, and so the idea behind this pump was I wanted to see if by drawing the food down across and shooting it across the tank, if it would feed the tank any better. And I haven't noticed that big of a difference. Um, I'm keeping it on for now because I usually test things in kind of six month to a year kind of increments anyway. So we'll see how it goes. My nitrates haven't kind of uh, rose by adding this pump because I would think it would after a while, meaning you're shooting food across and basically it's getting stuck between, you know, whatever rocks, underneath rocks and stuff like that. And I don't have a really great cleanup crew in here anyway. So 
you know, I would expect it to rise, but at the same time, it's just one of those things where I'm experimenting with now, and um, when it actually feeds the tank, it's actually kind of cool to some degree, meaning, you know, you don't have all those um, animals just kind of in turn, um, you know, hovering around this box per se. When you feed it and it gets basically dispensed through the tank, um, little pieces shoot out and that way the fish just kind of eat them in the water column per se, so it's not like an event. Uh, anyway, enough about the pump, but that's how I've got this kind of set up here. The other thing you'll notice is with this magnet, I've kind of got it so I'm only using the bottom kind of third of the magnets because for me, I wanted to be able to pull it down, pull it up, and I don't need the strength that these magnets have. Um, you know, it, again, this was meant to hold up, I guess, basically sand and, and mangroves, so they're really strong magnets, and I don't need that. So at this point, that's kind of how I've got this thing set up. And what we'll do is I'll take and we'll drop a little bit of food and we'll do the, uh, the HPV pellets, for example. Um, we'll put them in here and you can kind of see how it drops down through uh, the feeding box and how it kind of feeds the tank. Now, again, the HPV pellets, basically they're kind of designed to sink, but there will be a few of them that will kind of float up on top. And you'll kind of see how it just pulls Again, those pellets across, at least with having that pump there. And from there, um, you know, the fish now are just kind of standing in front of it. But again, if you kind of look up on top of here, you can see there are a few of those pellets that didn't sink. And those are the ones, for example, that would end up kind of over in that overflow. Now, one of the things you'll notice from this top-down view is you'll see those little holes that I actually cut out in the bottom of that grate. Again, nothing special, uh, but at the same time, it allows for some of the pellets to flow down through and other ones to actually stay on top of the grate until some sort of current or, you know, whatever motion pulls it down through it. The other thing that will happen is the fish will actually tend to pick at it. But again, with the thickness of them, they're going to be picking quite a long time before they actually get anywhere. Now one thing to notice on those pellets um, is they are pretty big, meaning the tangs sometimes have an issue, not the bigger tangs for example, like the, uh, the hippo tang, etc. They didn't have an issue eating them, but the ones with the smaller mouths, they kind of have issues actually eating those pellets. Uh, that's why, again, for that extended period of time, what I also tend to do is have this, right? Again, this is this, the shredded nori, and it's the same kind of thing where you just basically pop it on top, and I'll put a lot of it. And then we'll just kind of let it do its thing. And what will happen is it will feed that tank you know, depending on how much I feed that or fill that box up, it'll feed that tank for a long period of time. And again, my goal, uh, my goal was actually taking it for five days to ten days, right? So that it, in case I wasn't here. And like, so when you look at that, the amount that I just put in there, that's probably enough to feed that tank for about a day, day and a half. And when you look at it, the, the box, there's all kind of room in it. And, um, Again, to me, that's one of those things where that's probably my second choice, meaning my first choice 
is actually having the, uh, the macroalgaes and the sump, which I'll kind of show you next, to put in there. My second choice will be feeding the, the shredded nori, but then at the same time, um, you know, my last choice would be kind of the pellet foods. And just because, again, with the noris and the greens and that with the tang, at least with this particular tang, um, I want them to have those organics. So now, kind of, again, as my preferred method, I prefer using actually the macroalgaes in that sump. And for me, it's one of those things where it's really kind of cool, that circle, uh, I call it circle of life, and I'm not exactly sure if that's the best way to describe it, but the fact that you feed the tank, right, the tank in turn produces, again, those nitrates, phosphates, etc., um, which those macroalgaes use to grow, and then in turn, you prune them, which, again, promotes more uh, filtration, we'll call it, or more absorption or more growth, and in turn, you feed that, so you kind of have this source of natural food that is probably secondary to none. And, uh, and to me, again, I, I prefer that method most. Uh, the problem that I have is sometimes you just don't have enough macroalgaes down there. So like what I'll do now is I'll show you how much I prune now. And for me, um, when I prune, this will be enough to feed the tank for about five to 10 days, like I said. Um, and it will take me at least probably three weeks to six weeks, it depends, right, to actually um, grow the macroalgaes back to kind of replenish, we'll call it, um, the, the volume of macroalgaes that I actually took out of it. So it's not quite a, a one for one, and that's why, again, for my end of it, it works really good for that five to 10 day spell. Um, but to try to harvest it to basically keep this tank going constantly, um, I don't have enough space, obviously. I think with bigger sumps, obviously you could probably do that, but with this size, you know, we've got issues. Um, so let me actually go down and I'll kind of cut some and you kind of see how much I'm actually taking out and feeding in that box, which will last again five to ten-ish days. So while I'm down here pruning some, uh, some macroalgaes out, let me kind of go over a couple things that you haven't seen, and I'll do a tank update later on. But basically, um, what you're going to notice is two skimmers. All right, with these two skimmers, um, last time one of my experiments was actually to, to test the all-in-one bio pellets, and with those all-in-one bio pellets. Um, again, after that test was done, I wanted to experiment a little more with kind of removing filter socks, for example, and just using skimmers. And again, I didn't want to go the traditional route, meaning I've had large skimmers, etc. So I wanted to try two smaller ones just to kind of see, again, how they've kind of worked out. And these are the Tunzi 9004s. And again, we'll, later on, we'll kind of do an update to see how they're going, but that's one thing you'll notice there. And obviously, I've got the Tunzi LED as well, just to kind of spur the growth. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about, too, is when you're pruning the, the macroalgaes, what I tend to do is I tend to take it from, from various parts, meaning my goal is to actually promote growth. So to promote growth, what I want to do is I'll take it from the top, I'll take it from the sides, like over here, and um, I'll just kind of get it all over. That way it kind of stimulates the, the macroalgaes, and I found that basically tends to uh, help a lot as it relates to the, the growth perspective. 
The other thing you'll notice, I've got this power head down in here, and it's kind of contradictory, meaning normally when you have skimmers, right, you don't want a power head involved, meaning you want it to skim off the surface. But the nice thing about these Tunsies is it not only takes the water from the top, but it takes it from the bottom. And for me, I had originally had that power in there, again, to stimulate growth of the macroalgaes. Right? And again, see the macroalgae here? I'll take larger, larger leaves as opposed to the younger ones. And, and you know, this kind of gives you an idea, and it happens to be a clump that I can use already. So that gives you kind of an idea, at least from uh, a pruning perspective, how I prune, how much I take out. And again, if this were the ultimate kind of, we'll call it ball of macroalgaes, the idea would be to have it constantly rotating so that way it is getting light and nutrients around, you know, 360 degrees per se. Um, in my particular case, again, it's not the, uh, the perfect mousetrap, but it's, it's one that I'm using here anyway. So you can kind of see how much I've thinned that out. Um, and I could probably take more, but for now we'll just kind of take this up there and we'll, uh, we'll feed it to the, uh, to the tank. So as you can kind of see now, again, it's a pretty good chunk of pruning per se. And from a feeding perspective, We'll just kind of drop it down in there and then we'll kind of let that thing go and we'll let them pick at it. And I probably could have took double the amount and put it in there. Um, but for now, you know, I, you know, it's one of those things where um, from a pruning perspective, I didn't want to take that much out of that. It needed a little more growth, at least in my opinion. Again, my five to ten day goal of doing this. Um, by far, it wouldn't work if we didn't have the automatic feeders. Right? Just feeding it from here is just one of the things where it wouldn't do it. Um, but the combination of adding two boxes, one to feed kind of, again, your shredded noris, for example, and with the pellets, that kind of works out really well. And then the second part is, you know, having uh, feed your fish normally, basically, you know, from this kind of box and growing your own food, that's kind of a cool thing, and, and I kind of like that. My, my main issue is having a box that's four by whatever by five in the front of your tank. Um, you know, we, we have these tanks so that they are pretty and, you know, and colorful and, and that sort of thing. And to me, getting rid of pumps and boxes is one of those things where uh, that's really kind of a good goal of mine. Um, and with this box here, it's kind of an eyesore. That being said, though, you know, if you look at the colors of the fish and uh, being able to kind of feed the tank automatically and naturally, per se, it's probably a good trade-off. So with that being said, let me wash my hands and we'll wrap it up. So this gives you an idea of what it looks like with the macroalgaes. Again, you can kind of see that big one where they'll kind of pull it out, and it's kind of like, I'll call it like when you uh, run a thread through a needle, meaning they don't get basically huge chunks, but they kind of pull it out in those threads. And the nice thing about that, again, is 
if it goes over the overflow, what do I care? Because it's going to go back into that refugium area, basically, and continue to grow. As, as opposed to kind of decomposing in a sock or, or something like that. So that kind of works out pretty good. this thing you know laid out it kind of hits my goals meaning I can feed those fish for one to two weeks with nutritious kind of food that's not gonna let all this food go to waste so to speak and cause some kind of you know nitrate disaster um, or phosphate I guess actually and it's one of those things where I don't consider this the be-all end-all I consider it to be a work in progress and uh, for those of you maybe who have who have not thought of something like this before check it out and uh, see what you think about it. And if you have, and maybe there are some tweaks that I could make, feel free to share that information with me as well. Again, it's AmericanReefandMe.com. I'd love to hear kind of the tweaks that I could do to make this better. Um, and again, same kind of thing. If you don't have the pellet HPD or the shredded nori uh, or this kind of stuff, I threw that on the page. Um, that's that, that link where you can buy the HPD. Uh, so AmericanReef.com, bottom center, there's a little link that says click here to purchase HPD. Again, this is nothing but shredded nori, um, but if you can't shred it, then pick it up there. And this kind of stuff here, I had a couple boxes, so I threw those out there, but again, if you look at it, help support my sponsors, like you've heard me say many, many times, right? They're good guys, honest guys that deserve a chance to earn your business. And look at Tunzi, for example, which is one of the sponsors. They come up with this little box, which nothing else existed out there and this provides a ton of value right and these magnets I mean gosh it's one of those things where you literally can grow that mangrove in there it won't slide down but to me it's just one of those things where um, you can't find stuff like that and, and these kind of guys have thought of it and in, in, in this particular case it's helping me out uh, dramatically and you know as well as all the other kind of products like the automatic feeders etc and again, they're bulk reef supply, premium aquatics, and ecosystems. Again, they're all good guys, honest guys that deserve that chance. Again, any questions you have for me, send them over to AmericanReef at me.com. Otherwise, thanks for watching this episode of American Reef.